0: Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.
1: The thing about being transgender is that, or non-binary, is that this person, whoever it is in your life that may be exploring that, uh, they're doing so out of necessity to express their true selves. You know, it's not a game. It's not uh, a fad. It might be, you know, it might be that they, uh, that they do um, change and grow in different ways than you expect. Uh, But we're not trying to trick anyone. We're not playing games. It's very, it's very, um, it takes a lot of bravery actually to explore this side of yourself because society has pretty strict rules about, you know, gender and uh, binary in particular. Um, So if someone is exploring that, it's, it's not something that um, they do lightly, you know, it's something that they're trying to follow their own intuition and listen to their own soul, really. And so if even if it's hard for you, just being able to meet them and at least ask questions or have conversations with them. And I think really it's, it comes down to like trusting that person.
0: I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com.
2: A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.
3: Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com Since
0: 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t-shirts
3: to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible,
0: it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who
3: needs it.
2: Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes.
0: Nice dress. Uh, it's a It's a
1: t-shirt
2: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
0: As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. Remember, folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always
1: at your fingertips.
0: Ray, welcome to the Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us.
1: I'm really excited to be here today. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, it is my pleasure to have you here. So I actually came across your story because you wrote in and uh, I was really, really intrigued by it. And I don't want to give it away for our listeners because I'm sure we will get into all of that. But before we get into your story, I want to start by asking you, what did your parents do for a living and what impact did that end up having on the choices that you've made with your life and your career?
1: Yeah, well, my mom uh, was an artist, and she did both fine art and commercial art. Uh, She died when I was 11, um, but, you know, I was with her for long enough to actually really get to see her create artwork and learn a lot from her in my young years, and uh, my dad is an accountant, and he, you know, went to school and worked really hard so that he could Put me, you know, in some private art classes when I was young and also helped me go to commercial art school in my mid-twenties. So both of my parents have have fostered art in me and and helped me in the ways that they could. And I'm really appreciative of that, actually.
0: Mm -hmm. so. You know, I think the thing uh, that really struck me when you wrote in is that you said you're transgender and, uh, you know, I, I'd like to go back to the beginning of this and, and what that was like growing up. How do you have this conversation with your parents and
1: what was it like when it happened? Oh, boy, that's hard. Um <laughs> e- You know, it's not uncommon to have transgender folks be estranged from their families, because it can be a really difficult thing for families to accept. And that is the case for me. Um, So I I do believe that if my mom were alive, I believe that she would um, figure it out and support me. She She gave me a gift of unconditional love. And I knew all the time, you know, growing up and still to this day. I I knew that she loved me unconditionally. And with my father, it's been different. Um, I came out to him as gay when I was 18 and we, you know, kind of fought about it or ignored it for, you know, probably 15 years. Um, when I came out as trans, he just, um, he really couldn't handle it. And we were in a, in a public place and he, uh, got really angry. Um, and I kind of kept redirecting the conversation like, Hey, we're, we're having a conversation about some big stuff here. And we're having a conversation about whether you and I can be in a relationship with each other in, in integrity, right. Treating each other with respect. And, um, he just really hasn't been able to meet me there He's got um, some very strongly held conservative religious beliefs, and I think he believes that transgender people don't exist. Uh, he didn't really think that gay people <laughs> existed. I haven't been able to dive much into it because he's he's just not able to meet me with um, with with just mutual respect the way that you would, you know. Uh, even a stranger. So, uh, unfortunately I don't, you know, we, we are now estranged. I, I am open to having a relationship with him, but he, you know, I, uh, had to come to terms with, you know, having my own boundaries and making sure that myself and my family are, are safe and treated with respect. So, mm. um,
0: yeah. <laughs> How old were you when you realized this about yourself?
1: I realized it pretty late, um, so I, you know, grew up in a very uh, a non-denominational but very strict uh, Christian church, and where you know men and women had very very strict rules about what they could wear, what they could look like, um, what roles they play in both the church and in life. And I think I just went into like survival mode when I was a child. I went to a private Christian school and the kids from my church were, were treated as kind of the the weird Christians at the Christian school that I went to. So we were, you know, we were definitely kind of, um, on the outskirts of, uh, that religion. And so, um, I, you know, I I really did kind of go into survival mode for most of that. Um, When I came out at 18 as gay, I had a lot of um, learning to do just as a person in the world, like just learning about um, pop culture and music and television and movies, which I had been really shielded from. Um, So my early 20s uh, were really about just kind of figuring life out and figuring myself out. And, um, I didn't, I don't think even have the capacity to figure out that I was trans or start questioning that until I was in my, uh, late twenties, early thirties. Um, and I, you know, grappled with that for probably about a year and a half to two years before, uh, starting, deciding to start hormone therapy. Um, and, my journey is really unique as I, um, will attest that pretty much every transgender or non-binary person that I know, their stories are really unique. We all, you know, there, there's this kind of overarching narrative, uh, in the main culture. That's like, Oh, every trans person just transitions. And then, you know, it's point A to point B. And what I've found with myself and with, Uh, the myriad of people that I know who um, are trans or non-binary, our our journeys are really vastly different, even if we look very similar from the outside. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, for me, I actually was only able to be on hormone therapy for about three and a half years, and then I was diagnosed with cancer. And so I either had to have way more surgery in addition to the surgery I was already having for cancer or, uh, just go on this cancer drug that they have me on still to this day. So actually a lot of the gains that I had made, uh, were reversed, uh, by the, the cancer treatment that I'm on and I am okay with that. And this is just part of my journey for me. Um, but you know, like I said, there's, there's, uh, other folks who have been in very similar situations as me and, you know, they might opt to have the surgery and like, so different things are different are are important to different people, uh, on this journey of of kind of finding your true self and and being able to express that. And so, like I said, mine's kind of a meandering path. I didn't come to it until pretty later in life. Um, but it's, uh, you know, it's where I am. (laughs) What were
0: your social relationships and your friendships like when you were growing up? And how have they changed with time as you've gone on this journey?
1: I really didn't have a whole lot of friends growing up. I had you know, some friends that I knew uh, who were in the church with me growing up. And I had a few friends in school, um, but I really mostly kept to myself. Um, when I transferred from the private Christian school to a public uh Public school, I only was there for my um, junior and senior year in high school, so the first year that I was there i was you know I did make a couple of friends um, mostly through sports um, and finally started kind of coming out of my shell because i 'm actually a pretty outgoing uh person, and you know I really like meeting people and I, I kind of wasn't able to really explore that until my late teens and uh and so you know that was actually really a fun time for me you know just uh getting to know people and kind of coming out of my own shell i would say probably in my late teens and early 20s that was a, a you know a large portion of my learning at that time and i um spent about 10 years in seattle and then have been down here in Portland for uh, six or seven years at this point. And so, you know, community is harder to build when you're not in school. or in a, And I work from home. So, um, you know, building community down here in Portland took a little longer than it does, you know, for people in their early 20s when you're in school and things like that. But, um, but community is really important to me. And I think that's true for a lot of people in the LGBTQ community. Uh, I don't have a whole lot of, uh, family blood related family in my life. Uh, I do have a few people. Um, but I've, you know, kind of created my own family through the friendships that I've forged with people and, uh, have many friends where in my hometown in Montana and I have uh, a large community in Seattle and in Portland. And, uh, just, it's been interesting actually with this project this artwork that I'm doing now for the last year or so that I've begun to make and foster friendships through meeting people uh, solely on social media uh, and that's new to me but it's you know been part of my process and so that's been really cool I've been able to meet some folks in person while traveling with this art show who I met um, through social media and and finding those connections from from far away has been really interesting and fascinating to me um but you know the the heartfelt connections people who can uh just meet you right away with an openness and uh a curiosity is is usually what draws me in at any rate mm. you mentioned growing up in this
0: very strict uh religious background and i wonder having had that experience does religion or spirituality or faith play a life a role in your
1: life today at all yeah absolutely um i i i've been like searching for a religious community as an adult and have found you know have been mostly you know not really finding what I was looking for, uh, finding books and things that I was interested in and and kind of theory and teachings that I was interested in, but not really finding a community until very recently. Um, And I had been attending a a unity church here in Portland that I really like. Um, I found out that uh, I just, I had gone to a few different churches over the years usually very tentatively, um, and with a high degree of um, anxiety. <laughs> um, because, you know, I have been in churches where it was very clear that I was not welcome, you know, just being who I am. So uh, there's some trepidation in, in just walking into a religious institution of any kind for me. But I, I've, I've been opening up to, you know, seeking that out, basically, and finding something that um, I, I don't want to just feel comfortable. Like I want to feel engaged and I want to feel, um, like I'm learning and, you know, growing in a religious community or in a, a spiritual community. And, uh, I have, I think just recently, uh, found a place that might feel that way. And, and, and I'm still kind of testing it out for myself. And, I, and again, because of my religious background, I am pretty reserved <laughs> and, uh, kind of, you know, suspicious almost of, 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 religious communities. And that's just, you know, due to my, my background, but, um, it's been something that's always been, um, just Part of my journey and part of my seeking out uh, is finding community because I I believe that spirituality is something that we do connect with each other about, you know. Um, So I have been looking for that.
0: So, and you mentioned family uh, and how you've basically built family and, you know, you talked about the fact that you're estranged from your father, as you probably know from having listened to the show, a lot of parents are listening to this conversation and I'm wondering what you would tell them and how you would encourage them to talk to their kids about this subject.
1: Yeah. Um, I've had the chance to meet some folks who uh, are outspoken supporters of their children um, at young ages coming out as trans. And it's been a very emotional experience for me just to, just to tell them, you know, Thank you. Thank you for believing your child and for supporting your child. And I know that it can be really difficult. People get uh, anxious about using the right pronouns or saying the wrong thing, and they uh, get trapped in kind of an anxiety loop, I've noticed. Um, And so that part, like everybody messes up on pronouns, especially if you've gotten you know, decades or years and years of, of saying one thing, and someone wants to to switch that. And I I recognize that that can be hard, um, but really just making an effort to understand and give people the benefit of the doubt, because you know, especially younger folks, they're, they're experimenting, they're they're learning about themselves in pretty rapid fashion, and so. Just being able to meet them where they are, let them explore, you know, what's true for them. And that might change over time. And it does change for us as, as adults, but usually we don't, we don't notice it as much or we don't, um, you know, it's, it's just not as dramatic usually. But um, the thing about being transgender is that, or non-binary, is that this person, whoever it is in your life that may be exploring that, uh, they're doing so out of necessity to express their true selves. You know, it's not a game. It's not uh, a fad. It might be, you know, it might be that they, uh, that they do, um, change and grow in different ways than you expect. Uh, but we're not trying to trick anyone. We're not playing games. It's very, it's very, um, it takes a lot of bravery actually to explore this side of yourself because society has pretty strict rules about, you know, gender and, uh, binary in particular. Um, so if someone is exploring that, it's, it's not something that, um, they do lightly, you know, it's something that they're trying to follow their own intuition and listen to their own soul really. And so even if it's hard for you, just being able to meet them and at least ask questions or have conversations with them. And I think really it's, it comes down to like trusting that person, um, and showing them just kind of basic respect of, okay, you know, you're going through something, maybe I don't understand it. There are lots of support groups out there for uh, families. Uh, PFLAG is a really, you know, big national organization. And there are plenty of parents who um, are actually out there and are trying to help other parents. Um, So if you're curious about meeting with other parents, that can also be, I think, helpful um, for folks, just so you can kind of relate to each other about the challenges that you're facing or things that you're going through and not be putting that on your child or ignoring those things because they're they're real and it is difficult for the other people around uh, the person who might be uh, transitioning or thinking about that
0: mm-hmm. I guess the thing for me I, I wonder and I've had uh, you know uh, a conversation with other people who are in the LGBTQ community here on unmistakable creative and it try to imagine myself as a parent in this situation. And the thing that comes to my mind is, wow, this inevitably invites a lot of hardship into your life. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, that layers on top of the fact that life is already so hard. And I can't imagine that a parent in this situation wouldn't feel that.
1: Yeah, that's really common. It's it's like one of the first things that (laughs) comes up for people, actually. Um, It's really, really common. It's something that you know, my dad told me when I came out, uh, when I was 18 is that he thought that my life was going to be really hard. And here's what I have to say to that life outside, like dealing with the, the world around me. Sure. It's been difficult in some ways and I have had to navigate challenges that other people might not, but my dad's worry has become a self-fulfilling prophecy in that His relationship and his, you know, rejection of who I am has been one of the most difficult parts about coming out. So if you're worried about that, it's totally understandable. And everybody, I think, has that worry for their child, like, oh, man, your life is going to be so much harder. And that might be true, but it will be so much less hard if you, you know, as a supporter in their life, um, can just meet them and support them. Um, because yeah, the, the, you know, being disowned by your parents is a really common thing for transgender people. Um, and that part, if you, it just adds so much more stress and anxiety and hardship for that person. So, um, that's again, like I said, it's, it's a very common worry. Um, and I think the best thing to do about that is to Um, be brave and, and, and support your loved one.
0: (laughs) Hmm. Uh, So the thing that I wonder is, you know, you mentioned, uh, hold
3: up. All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in 6 months of Paramount Plus Essential plan on us. Mintmobile.com/switch.
2: Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month, unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month, face-lower speeds, videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 53124 get 6 months of Paramount Plus Essential plan. Auto-renews after 6 months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why you United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com.
0: There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash loss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. plushcare.com slash loss. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. Remember, folks, with tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Before we hit record here, that you were introduced to us by your wife, and you know, forgive my ignorance for not knowing this situation. That's why I was so curious. Um, you mentioned earlier that uh, you know, we tend to say, okay, you know, you go from A to B, and that's transgender. And my mind, I literally up until we've had this conversation, I thought, okay, when somebody is transgender, they go from being a, a man to a woman. As stupid as this question might sound, does it happen in the reverse? And and you know, and then how do you form relationships with somebody like an intimate partner when you're in this situation?
1: Um, let's. I think there's like two questions there. Um, So uh, forming partnerships, you know, a lot of, a lot of partners, if you're going, if you've met someone and then they are transitioning or going through that questioning period, it it actually is really difficult for relationships to make it through that because it's a lot going on. It's a lot of transformation for that person depending on you know i think that transgender is is um a lot of things and so uh, it does look different for different people my wife and i actually did you know meet uh when i was identifying as female and so you know the fact that she was able to to be with me and we were able to work through those challenges together of that we've been through and then you know cancer after that and you know we've been through quite a lot and we've been able to grow and change and recognize that within each other um it's not always the case i mean it's it's usually a tumultuous time even if you're coming out as as non-binary because you are all of a sudden expressing yourself differently and being more honest with yourself and and kind of coming into a fuller version of yourself whatever that is Hmm. and so there's one part that I want to address here, which is that you know relationships. My wife actually works with couples and does you know kind of coaching with couples who are usually um, you know coming to her to either strengthen their marriage or try and figure out uh, what's going on. A lot of times, what she finds is that. People stop getting to know each other. Like they maybe meet in their early twenties, and then they think that in their thirties they're still married to that person. But in reality, all of us change quite a bit as we grow older. And the the key to you know having a strong a strong relationship with one another is is continuing to be curious. You know, is asking each other questions. Is um, is not assuming that you are the same that you were 10 years ago. And so that's, you know, if you've got that kind of base in your, in foundation, in your relationship, I think you can make it through, um, something like w- what Gina and I have gone through. But, uh, in addition to that kind of talking to your other question, um, so there are plenty of people and we've heard this narrative a lot about you know transitioning, where they they realize, oh, you know, I was assigned one gender at birth, and that's not actually accurate for me. I'm going to take a series of steps to change my body so that it matches how I feel on the inside. And that is one aspect of being trans, and that's true for a lot of people. Um, but there's so much nuance in there because there's people like me who might have a medical. Issue of another kind that complicates their ability to take uh, medical steps, right? There also are people who recognize that, you know, about themselves, but choose not to have any uh, surgeries or hormone therapy or anything like that. And that's okay, like they get to choose that. And then there's the whole spectrum of, of non binary people, people who fall somewhere in the spectrum of identifying with both genders within themselves right to varying degrees and so i think that we we kind of limit um and negate those myriads of stories by being like oh trans is this one thing um and and really i i knew this before i started the artwork that i'm doing now but i i know it to an even larger degree now, which is that, you know, I I follow a lot of people who fall into the trans or or non-binary scope and their experiences are just so varied depending on when they come out in life, uh, you know, whether they have, you know, access to, the kind of money it takes to have uh, surgeries, things like that, if they have, you know, job security or housing security at the time. Um, My experience being a white, you know, middle class, masculine of center person means that I'm in the probably the most privileged part of of being trans, other than if, if I think if I was more binary, if I had a full beard and worked out a lot, I'd probably be, you know, even... It's seen as cisgender, basically on the street. So my experience is vastly more easy, and I also live in Seattle and Portland, and so those those two cities are really trans friendly. So my my experience has been very uh, very easy and very privileged, I would say. And so um, the experience of someone who is trans feminine or non binary, but was assigned male at birth. And, you know, they're kind of bucking the patriarchy in this moving towards femininity or, or towards, you know, a trans woman, then they're going to experience probably oppression and, and backlash and possibly violence almost every day that they step out of their front door um, and compound that if it's a person of color. So, you know, our experiences, uh, as we walk in the world and how we express that as transgender or non-binary people are, are, are just infinitely varied. And, um, I am, am fascinated by that. And that's part of what drives me to, to do the work that I'm doing is that, um, we all have really interesting stories to tell, uh, based on, you know, what we've been through and how we express, you know, what's true to us. Mm-hmm. So that's a long answer, but yeah, yeah, no, no. Uh, you know, it's interesting. You brought up,
0: uh, you know, being white and sort of coming from the most privileged position about this, and what that made me wonder, especially being of Indian descent, because I think in. All of my life, I think I know of peripherally one gay Indian person that I've ever even and I didn't know them. I just knew of them peripherally at Berkeley. And I'm not even sure that the, this person was gay. I was just told that by another person. Uh, I wonder, you know, you, you probably have a, a greater glimpse into this than I do. What is it? What is this experience like and how does it differ across different cultures? Um, have you seen it in, in other cultures like Asian and Indian culture? Because I can tell you, I think that. In the culture that I grew up in, uh, this would be 10 times harder (laughs) than the culture you grew up in, just because of the expectations of living in a certain way, being so happy.
1: Yes. And what I from what I know, which is I'm still learning every day and trying to pay attention to the people that I follow and listen to their stories. So um, because I, you know anecdotally only have my experience, but from, from what I can tell, um, you probably have actually met plenty of gay people and plenty of trans people. Um, but they're all really stealth, you know, meaning that they, um, find ways to not be out about their, uh, queer identity, or about their transitioning, so they may uh, go away and you know move to a different place to do what they need to do if they want to transform their body in some way. Um, but we we do end up gravitating towards larger, you know, more liberal cities so that we can express ourselves and and find our true selves. Um, and so. I would say that you know you, you probably have met some some trans folks and just not known it. Um, I know plenty of trans people who you would never know um that they were trans and that in it, in and of itself is a privilege that many people don't have um, I definitely am am seen most often by people who are strangers to me they they most often she me now um and I identify as non-binary and masculine, so, like, I'm okay with that. But there's a lot of people who, you know, it is very important to them sometimes because of the culture that they grew up in um, to to go and, you know, make transformation in their life and either stay that, you know, stay far away from the community that they uh, maybe grew up in uh, or return, but... You know, having cut ties with folks that they don't trust, or you know, like so. There's there's different ways that people navigate uh, the culture that they're in, and then there's like brave people all over the world who are just out, and even in harsh and very scary circumstances. Uh, and I, you know, am am endlessly uh, interested and. Respectful of people who have that that kind of courage to be out, because it allows other people, especially now with social media, it allows other people who might not have that courage to see like um, people all over the world and how they're how they're navigating themselves. And a lot of times with younger people, like their social media is their way to express themselves, where they might be, uh, you know, reverting to whatever social norms are they're under in their everyday life, uh, but social media gives them a place to express that and and in a safe way.
2: Hmm.
1: So
0: how do you navigate a, social and sort of political environment that is as divisive as it is and you know when you're not in places like Seattle when you're in you know for lack of a better word some super conservative area where this is not accepted uh, how do you navigate that dynamic with these types of people um, you know and and you know what do you say to them when they're not accepting of, of this
1: I mean I, I like I said I, I came out in a very accepting place in an accepting work environment um, but I have friends who have come out and transitioned in uh, places in Montana I've got friends in Missoula, Montana which is actually a very liberal place within within the uh, kind of vast conservative state uh, but I also have a friend who uh, came out and transitioned in a very small town in Montana and you know their understanding of the harassment that they receive is also very different because they haven't ever left that town and so they they just kind of roll with it when they receive uh discrimination and um and violence and they just have have uh navigated it and you know lived their life and just um, end up you know, living the, the best that they can within the environment that they're in. And, and I think it's, you know, it's, it's partly like where they want to be. A lot of, a lot of people, queer people and trans people do move to big cities because it is a lot safer, but there's also plenty of people who want to live in rural places and love the community that they grew up in. And they, the, the acceptance that they find might look a little different than it does in a bigger city. Um, and it might sound a little different, you know, their, their language about it might be different. Um, but I have, have met, you know, folks in, in different, different communities that have come out and, uh, you know, I'm interested in in their stories and I, I don't know if I can tell you accurately what those are because they're not my stories to tell, but from what I, from what I have gathered, like, we're resilient, you know, we will, we will thrive wherever we are, if it's important for us to be there. And, and if it's not, you know, we end up moving to a place where we can thrive. Um, and I, you know, I am, am getting to know people across the world who are coming out and being openly trans and watching them, you know, post on social media about, the hardships that they're facing. Um, but in reality they're just living their lives like any other person and they're going through their day and, um, trying to live as best they can in whatever environment that they're in.
0: What misperceptions do you think that people who are not trans or not necessarily exposed to stories like yours have about people like you?
2: Um, well,
1: So a lot of times people, um, even well-meaning people, if I, um, tell them that I identify as male, but I'm also non-binary, they really get stuck in just, in just she me, uh, using she, her pronouns, even though I use he, him pronouns. Um, and that to me is, it just kind of tells me a little bit about that person. And it tells me that they might struggle with, you know, understanding, Gender to be a, a wider thing, right? So the the disbelief that that kind of comes with that. There's um, there's this thing in our community called pretty privilege. So there's lots of people who who pass passing privilege, you know, who passes cisgender, uh, and then they might also be you know attractive. Those two things um, make their experiences uh, being seen and understood as the gender that they wish a lot easier than someone who's maybe non-binary or someone who, um, transitioned late in life and, um, the telltale signs of their assigned gender at birth still come through. Right. And so what happens is people who meet them don't fully believe that they are the gender that they say they are. And I think that's one of the biggest hurdles that people face is, is just not being seen the way that they want to be seen, you know? Um, and we all deal with that in different ways. Um, but I think that's probably the the biggest thing. And, you know, when, when we live in an environment where gender roles are policed as heavily as they are, um, a lot of times that is internalized with people and they have, you know, internalized pretty impressive messages about themselves. And so when they see someone bucking that, out outwardly right it strikes fear in them and then they they lash out you know so that's the other end of that spectrum is that um their discomfort at not seeing you or believing you turns into uh kind of an outward reflection of whatever self-hatred that they've collected over the years because that you know you don't lash out at somebody unless um unless it's striking a nerve within you and striking fear. Right. So, um, I think that, that there's two, two reflections of that, um, misunderstanding that happens and one could be just polite or, you know, not really having a, uh, like a malice intent, but just misgendering people is the lighter end of that. And then the, The darker end of that is, you know, lashing out with violence or oppression or hatred. Mm -hmm.
0: What are the ways that uh, you're discriminated against uh, in ways that most of us wouldn't understand? I mean, like my thought process is what is it? What I'm thinking about is what is this like when you go into a job interview? What is it like when you go into a restaurant? Are you discriminated in ways that, you know, those of us who are straight or not? And then how do you navigate that?
1: Yeah. I mean, it shows up in really little ways um, and it shows up all the time. Uh, So navigating access to bathrooms is a really big issue for a lot of trans and non-binary people. Navigating, you know, going in and trying on clothes. So uh, if if we think about somebody who is assigned male at birth, who identifies as non-binary and so maybe has facial hair, but wears feminine clothing and wears makeup right. They're going to have a really hard time going into a changing room in a store just to try on the clothes that they want to try on. Right. Um, it happens all the time. If I like go out to coffee with a friend of mine who is, uh, a cis woman, like the waiter will probably come up and be like, hi ladies. You know? And so I usually politely, um, let them get through their spiel and then just tell them like hey i don't identify as a woman you can just say folks and then i'll move on with my order um that's a really small example but these kind of little things happen all the time and i think you know bathrooms are the, are the most extreme example of that because we all are human and all need access to bathrooms and that can be a real hurdle and um, it's actually integral to, to some of the artworks that I'm doing is that trans people are constantly told not to take up any space. Right. And so like they're told to not go out in public. You get I mean, if you can't access a bathroom, then you can't access public space. And Laverne Cox has talked about this too. Uh, um, just, it might seem like a very small thing, but those things, if you're encountering multiple things like that every day, uh, they add up and they become, you know, really stressful for folks just navigating everyday average life. Uh, things like getting, you know, your driver's license changed. If you are somebody who's decided to go through, you know, um, Hormonal and, and surgery changes. So, like having, you know, having to go back maybe to a red state and get your birth certificate changed and driver's licenses, those kinds of things end up being really challenging hurdles sometimes because you can be uh, connecting to government officials who don't get it and who might be um, suspicious of you or uh, just turn you down for things that you actually need. Um, so, those are all sometimes large, sometimes small hurdles, but they are faced by almost all of us, um, on a pretty regular basis. And, uh, which again, leads people to migrating to places where it's easier to, to navigate public space and it's easier to navigate those public, uh, government systems, things like that. Wow. Uh, well,
0: I was wondering if, you uh, would read what you had sent me. You'd uh, sent me what you called the Transgender Manifesto because I think that would be a really nice way to wrap this up um, and let people hear a little bit about your art project that you're working on.
1: So my personal goal as a visual artist is to help tell trans stories. Um, I want to garner respect for the trans community and I believe that respect comes from understanding. So my way of storytelling is, is visual art. Um I have written this uh transgender artist manifesto. Um and it it's kind of a a, a morphing changing thing as I add to it. Um but I'll go ahead and read it to you. It says uh we transgender gender nonconforming people are an authentic people. To be trans is to carve out self-acceptance in a world that rarely welcomes us. We are a righteous people. To be trans is to walk the fine line between personal integrity and personal safety every minute. And we choose integrity again and again and again. Uh, We are a courageous people. To be trans is to find the courage to explore our authentic selves and to show ourselves to the world, even in the face of danger. We show up no matter what hardships we face. We show up with grace. We are a resilient people. There are millions of transgender people around the world, and we face staggering rates of violence and discrimination. Trans people are twice as likely to lose jobs, housing, and family members, and we're bullied, threatened, harassed, and killed two to three times more often than other groups. Um, the statistics are even more alarming for people, um, trans people of color and trans women. Our community loses their vibrancy And creativity to violence and oppression at staggering rates. Facing this uh, can force us into survival mode, focusing only on bare essentials to get by. Um, When we're fixed on survival we lose the power to create and connect and dream. Uh, It's easy to lose sight of the power and love and strength within our transgender community. Um, So I highlight the beauty and power among us to remind us to create and connect and dream. Um, We are alive and vibrant. This is a quote from Alana Fairchild. When obedience is demanded and individuality is not honored, the conditioning that is meant to assist in the development of healthy communities becomes quite damaging to the self that wants to emerge and grow. In that state of excessive conditioning, we are not allowed flexibility, choice, spontaneity, or difference. And our will may feel broken or weak, and we may feel increasingly depressed, flat, or without a clear sense of vibrant and defined self. So to be trans is to renounce societal structures in order to honor our authentic selves. we choose authenticity, we are a powerful people. Seeing our diverse beauty represented in fine artwork makes us feel less alone. We need spaces to be inspired by images of our defiant, resilient, and joyful trans and non binary family. So, trans and gender non conforming youth need to see images of strong, kind, hardworking people who also live beyond society's definitions so that they can grow into their own power. Uh, we are role models people outside our community need to be able to explore their own unique fluid gender identities, uh, cisgender people. Like it's okay to experiment and play and color outside the gender lines. And it's okay to love yourself as you are in all of your beautiful complexity. We as trans people, we have valuable lessons to teach, but to teach, we must first be seen. Um, so that's my manifesto. Like I said, it's a work that is changing as I go. But um, the work that I'm doing right now is is a portrait series focused on transgender and non-binary uh, artists, activists, and leaders all over the world. Um, and my goal ultimately is to get trans representation in art museums around the world. It's a place where I see there is a lack and I would like to fill that even if it's just a little small piece that I can even uh, just bring that in. Uh, There are definitely people who are artists out there who are working to fill the gaps, particularly in um, portrait galleries. They're kind of filled with a lot of white people and a lot of presumably cisgender people um, so there are a lot of artists right now actively trying to broaden the representation that is in uh, art museums around the world and this is one area where I see a, a huge lack of representation and I'm, I'm trying my best to uh, draw attention to that and to help uh change that and and bring some representation where there isn't any. Mm.
0: Well, thank you so much for sharing that. This has been uh, a really, really insightful uh, conversation. So I have one last question for you, which is uh, how we finish all of our interviews at the unmistakable creative. What do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable?
1: For me, it's always about following your intuition. If you're somebody who, can get quiet in your daily life and be following the thing that is true to you um that will change and grow as you do Um, but it also makes you fascinating and interesting and it makes you alive and and when people engage with you if you're someone who listens to and follows your own internal self then you have generative things to share with others And I think we we kind of close that off a lot of times and get lost and get and basically get bantered around by all the other messages that we're receiving instead of staying true to ourselves. So I think the thing that makes us unmistakable is when we listen to our ourselves and have the courage to follow that.
0: Hmm. Well, I think that makes a really fitting end to our conversation. Where can people find out more about you, your work and everything that you're up to?
1: Uh, I'm on Instagram at TransPainter, and you can also find me on my website at TransPainter.com.
0: Awesome. And for everybody listening, we'll wrap the show with that. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Unmistakable Creative Podcast. While you were listening, were there any moments you found fascinating, inspiring,